Well, if you think that compliance costs for regulated firms are steep, then the cost of non-compliance are eye-wateringly high. Whether you're talking regulatory fines, damage to reputation, customer detriment, or impact on business continuity, non-compliance has a disproportionate impact on a firm's bottom line. And in an environment where the regulator will not compromise on their expectations of what firms should do and how they should act, firms simply just cannot afford not to comply. In this joint Work Smart and Elephants Don't Forget podcast, a follow-up episode to the latest webinar on the not-so-hidden cost of compliance, Adrian Harvey from the AI-powered knowledge retention firm Elephants Don't Forget, and Julie Pardy, Director of Market Engagement and Regulation at SMCR technology firm WorkSmart, summarise the thoughts and the opinions of over 100 heads of compliance and compliance officers within financially regulated firms. So let's get to it. So the first question was, over the next 12 months, do you expect the cost of compliance in your organization to increase, decrease, or stay the same? Um, 70% said, well, guess what? Increase. 30% said, stay the same. No outliers that decrease. We were actually slightly surprised no one said decrease. With a C19 overlay, you've really got to expect firms to be recognizing that their costs, irrespective of what other legislation changes are going on, it would be irresponsible for a firm to say, hey, you know, everyone working from home, business as usual. Absolutely, because if we think now, I'm not sure what the percentage would be, but if you looked at all of the firms in financial services and said, okay, how many of those had a fully operational home workforce prior to CV19, there would still be quite a high proportion that predominantly didn't work in that way at all. So if you've switched the majority of firms in FS to a home operation or a split operation, then you can't but increase your costs in terms of ensuring that you're managing and mitigating your risks across that revised operating structure. And then when we broke down the second question and we looked at where you expect to see the greatest rise in compliance, vulnerability and treating customers fairly, 72%, and then operational resilience at 52%. I think there's a bit of business continuity in that. And then we had compliance tech at 37%. Strangely, training staff on compliance issues, 28%. But you felt, Adrian, as did I, that that was wrapped up into actually TCF and, and approach to vulnerability. Yeah. And I think there's a general, what's become the norm is low-cost e-learning module gets pinged out. So, you know, in cost terms, it's just potentially another e-learning module, not a lot of cost. In effectiveness terms, that's what we're seeing with the comments about vulnerability. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, it, an e-learning module is not going to move the dial in terms of how an employee is capability and competence at working with vulnerable customers, particularly in a working from home scenario where they don't have the support network of their peers around them to help them coach them and guide them. Is that... Julie, companies or organisations bracing themselves for people who are identifying themselves as vulnerable or because of financial circumstances to their personal professional lives, and that may change rapidly before year end. I think it's a combination. I absolutely think it's a combination of the customers and you know the staff and how we feel. And I think it's it's going to be really challenging for firms because as, as Adrian alluded to in the webinar and, and now there's a default setting that firms have historically used, which is e-learning will sort all of our problems out. 
you know, e-learning has its place. It's a mechanism to pass information of a generic nature. But when you get to topics such as meetings, customs, fairly and vulnerability, actually a big element of that is actually all around skills and having the, you know, empathy and the listening skills and the right questioning skills, whether you're a manager and you're talking to your staff or you're a staff member talking to consumers. And those things can't be learned through e-learning. There has to be, I think, a greater level of an individual time being spent mentor talking and being developed to help manage them through those scenarios rather than reverting to a more remote mechanism yeah um, sorry philip it was my ride the bicycle analogy so here's the manual of how you ride the bicycle we'll call that dealing with vulnerable customers well i've read the manual i got 10 out of 10 now show me you're competent at riding the bicycle and everyone of course falls off straight away so you know dealing with vulnerable customers is a skill as julie says or a learned competency and you're not going to learn that from any learning module no you're not but still third highest on the list of costs uh, anticipated by our audience of heads of compliance chief compliance officers and compliance professionals came compliance technology so there's an anticipation and an expectation that tech that supports or drives a an effective compliance program is going to have to need an increase in technology i wonder whether because of the increase in financial crime related interest from the regulator and issues around that space i wonder whether actually firms are alluding to that we didn't specifically have that but there's definitely been an uptick around that area with concerns although We have a feeling that now that the regulators extended the deadline for SMCR, actually it does provide some firms still with a bit more impetus to try and get budget if they didn't have budget secured already for technology purchase. But I think the thing that I find really quite frustrating is that firms tend not to like to spend technology spend on the people front. And if you're thinking about your people being your most valuable asset, that doesn't make sense. So people will buy technical solutions for back office, but solutions to help facilitate more effective management, oversight, training and assessment of people tends to be sort of further down the list of priorities, which I find a bit confusing, really. What I can't reconcile is that the lead cost in compliance spend was going to be vulnerability nearly yeah, 20% higher than the second scoring, which is operational resilience. But then it doesn't align with an investment in people. How can you actually effectively respond to vulnerability as a firm, and yet you marginalise the people? I think the compliance community needs to engage with the operational stakeholders who are responsible for generating the revenue for the business and help them understand how getting VC, for example, in this particular instance, getting that right can actually drive more revenue rather than just saying, hey, look, getting this right means that we don't get a fine. When we looked at the single biggest hidden cost of non-compliance that the audience thought regulated firms were facing, 54% said reputational damage. The second highest score was business disruption at 27%. Third was productivity loss. So reputational damage was the one that they thought, Houston, we got a problem on. I think that the research would say business disruption comes first. And, you know, reputational damage is part of that. 
business disruption. So I expected to see it the other way around. As soon as you have an issue that regulatory investigation or that particular review starts, you're immediately into business disruption from the top to the bottom of the organisation. We'll finish it up with this. 60% said they are measuring people risk. Um, 25% don't know. 15% no. They're all measuring it. They all must be. And they're a tiny, tiny firm. They're all to varying degrees measuring people risk. The debate or discussion or ambiguity might be how well. Mm. And for 40% of them to say no or don't know would indicate they're not doing it very well. Final thoughts from you both on audience responses, audience reactions, and the not-so-hidden cost of compliance. Do you think that firms get it? Do you think that firms need improvement in this area? I think the audience were clearly on the right page, yeah, but they would be. I saw through some of the comments a frustration about perhaps they're on their own hmm. and other parts of the organisation aren't quite so serious. I think that the professionals that we had on the webinar, they were clearly passionate and wanted to do the right thing. They were engaged with their business and wanted to add value. And I think for some firms, maybe just need to open up a bit more and say, okay, rather than holding them at arm's length and they're a have to have department, what value are they going to add to me on a day-to-day basis? And how am I going to extract that value for the benefit of the business? Because it seems to me from the comments that we had, as I've always found that compliance professionals do want to to do the right thing but they may well be you know rigid in their approach sometimes which actually puts businesses off listening to all the good stuff that they've got to say thanks julie and adrian and thank you the listener for tuning into this podcast to find out more about how elephants don't forget artificial intelligence tool can be deployed throughout your organization to move away from a tick box approach to compliance and improve the training and competency of your staff under SMCR, please visit elephantsdon'tforget.com to learn how WorkSmart's SMCR software, Accord, can provide your firm with clear central record keeping, strong corporate governance, clear accountability, and evidence of employee fitness and proprietary, please visit worksmart.co.uk.